Hello everyone, my name is Jeanette. And my name is Hermela. Today we welcome you all to episode 2 of season 3. We are joined here today by an amazing guest, Daniela DePaola, a PhD candidate at MIT. Uh, welcome, Daniela. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Of course. We're grateful for you being here. Um, to start, we just wanted to ask you to introduce yourself to our audience. Um, feel free to des- describe what you do and share your journey of becoming who you are today. Awesome. Yeah, so my name is Daniela. I'm a PhD student right now at the MIT Media Lab. Um, and my research kind of studies how children will grow up in the age of AI. Um, it, I guess, is my 21st year of school or something like that. So for me, it's not a surprise. I think looking back, I always like just like the act of learning is probably my favorite thing. And so as a PhD student, I just get to ask lots of questions and find the answers to them every day. Um, I think one other piece, so... Uh, thinking back on like since I was young to now, I've always kind of been interested in this intersection of disciplines. So um, when I was an undergrad, I went in thinking I wanted to do purely STEM. I actually chose biomedical engineering because it seemed to have all the science names yeah. in it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we just bio, physics, chemistry, yeah, we right. smushed them all together. Um, and quickly realized that I like missed the human interaction part of things. Mm-hmm. So I ended up majoring something called engineering psychology, which was this really cool major in which we studied the brain and how people think and act. And then we also studied how technology is made. And we thought about the fusion of the two and how you can make sure that technologies are used appropriately with people. Um, And so kind of since then, I feel like I've just been adding new ideas and fields into my work. So um, I worked at a robotics company where I got to think a little bit about how consumers would actually interact with robots. And then when I went back to school, I really wanted to focus on this ethical piece. Um, I think being after, after being in industry, I was totally, you know, every day we would ask new questions about this new product category that I really, I mean, we had so many more questions than we had answers. And I think it is really cool to be able to go back to school and study some of those ethical questions when it comes to new AI technologies. So that's where I am now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think it's super niche. We've already met you through IFP so many times, which is amazing. Um, and I think something that resonates with me is just the interdisciplinary like field of AI, right? And I think you really bring that to life with your study and your journey. So congratulations <laughs> on that. And yeah. Yeah, and I think it's amazing how you found, it looks like you went through a lot of iterations of what you wanted to do, but um, the major that you're pursuing, I haven't heard of it, but it sounds fascinating, like the idea of being able to pursue like the engineering um, technology um, tracks, but you're also trying to think about human behavior, and you're trying to, it looks like your work is discussing how humans like interact and work surrounding AI, and I think that that's basically, that's exactly um, what we're trying to get at, and that's the core of what our new AI road is leading to here at IFP and through Two Blocks, and I think that's just amazing to hear. Awesome, yeah, I think that it's really important for people to know that if you want to go into technology, it doesn't have to be just a strictly mm. STEM and computer science type um, job. You can have lots of impact in the field of tech through different avenues. Definitely. Um, And I think that's a perfect segue to the work that we do at IFP. And for our viewers listening and listeners, we have been doing a lot of conversing with Daniela regarding like future plans coming. We're not going to spoil anything (laughs) just yet, but we've definitely been super interested about the cross sector of AI and education Mm -hmm. more specifically, um, paralleling our two blocks podcast and how 
two, education in just two blocks, right? We have so much here in Cambridge. Um, that's a perfect example and a perfect way for us to examine and, and, and really dive in deep of how AI works and, and what that looks like. Um, so with that, I wanted to ask, were you able to share a couple of examples of how AI is currently being integrated into education systems? And what are some of the challenges or limitations excuse me, associated with integrating AI into education? Yeah. So I think the one on everyone's mind right now is obviously large language models. So mm-hmm. chatbots that can engage students either can be a creative tool to help support students in whatever they're learning or writing. Um, but also there's lots of chatbots that are um, becoming available to help students specifically as like a tutor. Mm-hmm. So um, Khan Academy just came out with Khan Amigo, which is this chatbot that they can, um, that students can interact with and ask open-ended questions to just prompt the student. Um, I have a colleague at the Media Lab who developed this tool, um, Randy Williams, I think you all know her. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, Randy developed this tool where called Sparky, where you could use a large language model that was integrated into Scratch that could help you kind of decide how to create a project and not only like technically create the project, but also think about the ethical implications of the project as well. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool example of how that can be used in the classroom. Um, Aside from this like generative technology, like large language models, we also have uh, predictive systems. So Mm -hmm. systems that are kind of made to help schools that make decisions at a larger scale. So this could be, deciding what's, or an algorithm that predicts which students um, might be at risk for dropping out. I recently heard of an algorithm that college admissions offices are using to understand how likely someone is to attend their university mm-hmm. oh. uh, based on, you know, if they accept them or not. Um, and so I think that, you know, there are some of these happening at large scale, making decisions for students, which we should definitely mm-hmm. talk about. And I think that there, you know, there can be some issues when that arises. Um, and then just like going into the last piece, I think one thing I want to highlight is um, AI education going into mm-hmm. schools. So s- there's a lot of movement right now in the um, CS or the STEM education community to bring AI education into the classroom. And so mm-hmm. students should be learning about AI, um, whether it's technically, ethically, um, also think about how it impacts them as citizens in their communities. Um, so that's really exciting work as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think you bring up this really interesting point and I think it correlates wonderfully with the work that you're doing of like this interdisciplinary approach and how we look at and examine AI systems Um, and Hermela and I being students ourselves and looking and researching our district more specifically we've seen how a lot of the time AI is sort of like pushed back on and like it's just unconventional to the pedagogies and curriculums that we have already embedded within our system of education not just at a Cambridge level but like nationwide nationwide and worldwide Um, so I think as a student I'm just sort of like cycling back and thinking about how like always at the beginning of the class or the semester the teacher is like you know like academic integrity like making Mm -hmm. sure you're not using AI for cheating purposes which is all very valid but I think a lot of that is stemming from a lack of education from either party both the students and the educators or teachers on what AI actually is and what that looks like so I think even throughout this season this is something and a question that we've been examining and looking into is like what is AI right it's so big it's giant and it's a very big umbrella term right so when we start breaking it down and like how it can help us with education and like what that actually looks like both educating people but also using it as a way and medium to educate right and we'll get that 
get into that later on in the episode. But Yeah, and kind of to add on to that a little bit, I think that AI has been a topic of conversation for multiple years, but it's definitely been at the forefront of the world stage um, in the couple of months and years um, recently. But I think that in regards to how AI is being treated and viewed in education and within administration, I think that recently there's been a greater focus on, like Jeanette said, academic integrity and kind of a demonization of AI and its implications on students. And if I were, and I am a student, the way that I receive that information is that AI is not a tool for learning. It's something that can hinder our ability to learn and um, contrary to that belief outside of the walls of school and education um, there are so many um, innovations that are being created with AI that are actually working to benefit students and I think that that knowledge is not being shared within Mm -hmm. the classroom and I think that that's really where the problem is stemming from so I think my question would be how can we make sure that all this innovation surrounding AI is really brought to students attention in a positive light shed in a positive light rather than a negative one yeah that that was really good point I think that I'm just thinking specifically about a a year ago when ChatGPT was really becoming popular the the news articles were all about um, ChatGPT being used in schools. Mm-hmm. It was all about academic integrity. And I think that, like, of course, we should be thinking about that. But there are so many other ways that ChatGPT is going to revolutionize the world and not just in education across the board. And so it was really interesting to me that the news um, really seemed to be focusing on education and kind of creating this fear around the technology. I think New York City was like a very early um, critic of ChatGPT. Yeah. When, yeah. when it first came out, they were like, we are not using yep. it in our classroom. Right. Um, and later they, they pulled that back and they exactly. realized that it's like really important to be engaging mm-hmm. with the tools. And I think it's important for a variety of ways. One, it um, AI tools can help us be incredibly creative. And I think it's a cool opportunity for us to like reexamine the education system and yeah. say, what have we been teaching for the past few years? What's actually important for students to exactly. know? And what are right. the ways that we can be using these tools to enhance the things that they need to know? Um, that's one big piece. I think another one is, you know, you'll have to grow up and have jobs someday that will include AI in some respect. And whether you're building AI or you're just using it as a tool, you're going to have to be able to use it. And I think it's important that like schools don't shy away from that necessarily and they help you get there eventually. Yeah, Yeah. no, definitely. And I think for me, I'm also thinking about it from a systems approach. When we think of AI as a system, I think the real threat to education is because it's growing much faster and it's democratizing much faster than education has in 50 plus years, right? Mm. And I think that is posing a real threat to teachers. And at one point there was conversations of like AI actually like removing the job of a teacher and like, (laughs) right? So there's a lot of craziness out there regarding like the capacity and capabilities of AI. But I think that comes to show how fast we're moving but then how slow of progress we're making of Mm -hmm. actually embedding it into our day-to-day life in society Um, and I think that is a very crucial stepping stone especially with education to ensure that we're properly educating our educators um, and also making sure that our students understand what it is I think in order to uphold that academic integrity 
what is academic integrity in the scope mm. of AI, right? 10 years ago, and I, I mean, AI has been along for such a long time, but like more recently with these chat, like generative AI, like ChatGPT, we've seen this like uproar of usage of teenagers and students specifically and learning how to use it as a resource, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's so many students out there who are actually leveraging it as a resource that teachers don't actually know about. Um, so I think there's so much emphasis there of like how we can use this as a resource and properly educate. And I think that's something I'm continuously emphasizing. So. I remember at the beginning of the fall semester when we spoke, uh, I asked you about ChatGPT mm-hmm. and I think you specifically said half of my teachers are embracing it and saying, yeah. yes, we should be using it. These are all the creative ways we'll yeah, use it. Right. And the other half said, if you use it, you're going to fail the class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm wondering the spring semester just started has that shifted or is it basically the same as it was in the fall um i mean i can speak off of my perspective uh i know that jeanette previously you've emphasized how a lot you've had a lot of ex- positive experiences with your teachers introducing ai to you um n- kind of like as a learning tool but also just giving you the opportunity to explore and see what it's like um but I think that in the small time we've had from the fall semester to the spring semester, I haven't noticed as many differences um, within the education that I've been receiving. I think that AI um, in most of my classes are still being very, um, they're tr- telling us to treat it with fear and like students are afraid to interact with artificial intelligence for fear of um, being caught and being, you know, in trouble at school. So I think that that fear is very real and that's deterring a lot of students from interacting with it. And um, I mean, I think that it's terrible. And I think that, like Jeanette said, um, the way that our school system should be integrating AI systems into education, we have to make that happen. But I hope it happens soon and maybe even as soon as next year. But I don't know. How about you, Jeanette? Yeah, I think I've had very sort of varying experiences. Um, I had teachers last year and even last semester who were very much embracing it within their like classroom curriculum and like what they were bringing to the class. Um, a very specific experience was actually on the intersection of STEM and like humanities. So I took an epidemiology class and within that class, like we were calculating like relative risk and all those things. Um, but we were leveraging AI platforms and softwares to help us do that work, right? And I thought that was a very interesting and unique perspective, um, more so because I had this specific teacher last year and she was very like, oh my God, AI, no, no, no. But it was very interesting to see that learning curve of like, oh wow, like we can actually embrace this as a tool. Um, I think this semester, this is not, again, I know a lot of my teachers are probably <laughs> listening to this. Yeah. Um, so this is not a, like a negative thing whatsoever, but I've definitely seen it become a tool for marginalization of students, specifically mm-hmm. students of color on this idea of like academic integrity. Right. So it's sort of been like, okay, let me put this out there and incrementally introduce it to my students. But then it's still being used to like criminalize students and like accuse mm-hmm. them of cheating. Um, so I think that's something that this past semester, seeing on a holistic level, the school very much grappling with is like, how do we make sure we can like uphold academic integrity in our in our school in our settings but also make sure we can like maneuver through that in a fair and equitable way um so i think that's the rising conversation that i've been seeing wow 
Definitely. And um, thank you for bringing that up, the idea of how um, this tool has been used to marginalize certain groups. And I think that that's a bigger conversation that we've constantly been mentioning um, and hinting at almost. Uh, we've mentioned a lot of our work with um, researching coded bias mm -hmm. um, and how there are a lot of ethical um questions that are regard regarding the implementation of AI and a lot of the times um, when we see these systems implemented um, it's just not really being used it's not being utilized by marginalized groups or it's cr being created without the um, thoughts and opinions of marginalized groups in mind and this just creates further disparity um, and discrimination and that's why we wanted to ask you Daniela um, what role do ethics and bias play in the development and deployment of AI in our technology of AI technologies in education mm -hmm. great yeah that's a really important question and I think um, one important thing to know about AI is that it uses lots of data mm -hmm. so you feed a lot of data into a model and it makes some type of prediction so when you have predictive algorithms that decide you know whether someone's at risk of dropping out that's from historical data on dropout rates and certain markers. So even if we might not, there's a famous example with, um, um, uh, I can't think of the um, There's a <laughs> recidivism <laughs> algorithm. There's a recidivism algorithm that was basically um, uh, using, so they didn't use race as like a piece of data that was going into the algorithm, but they, f they were using zip code and they found later on that it was, um, uh, incorrectly, I guess, more likely to um, say that uh, people of color were less likely to uh, reoffend if they were offered, or sorry, they were more likely to reoffend if they were offered bail. So a lot of them um, were not offered bail. Um, and they didn't use race specifically in the algorithm, but they found that other data markers, such as zip code, were the proxies for right. race. Um, so it, even if it, it isn't seen as something that maybe is potentially um, anticipated or intended when you create the algorithm, algorithm algorithms are, you know, taking data and historically biased data mm -hmm. and um, turning them into decision-making tools that we're using yeah. every day. So it is really important. If we think about generative AI, um, there, have you ever used like Dolly or any of these image generation uh, tools? Yeah, I've heard of those. <laughs> okay, cool. You can type in some words and it will and generate it, oh, something. Yeah. Um, uh, one that we do all the time with students is we have them write, like, describe themselves. And so someone write, might say a, you know, smart 11th grader. And what it comes up with is usually like a very, um, you know, probably a male figure, probably a light-skinned figure. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of biases that go in, even to our visual representations of the world. Um, and so what does that say for somebody if I want to quickly generate a photo of what I perceive myself to be and it doesn't come out to be that exactly yeah. either. That's super interesting that you bring that up and I think even like with generative AI systems like there's so many confounding variables that we sort of don't think about um, but they perpetuate a lot of those biases and like racial implications of like how we perceive and make decisions um, within our society which I think are dangerous probes um, and definitely need to be broken down and like reconstructed but I definitely think within the context of a school when I my last point regarding like criminalizing students that is a very <laughs> keen example of that misuse of AI systems, not just from like a teacher, like criminalizing a student, but a teacher using that as a way to sort of scope out and like 
basically marginalized their class section. Um, and I've seen mm-hmm. this play out so many times with individuals and in personal classes that I've taken and just hearing them from my peers and friends. Like it's super, super actually heartbreaking to hear students and teachers, um, more specifically teachers using AI to grade work, but like not taking consideration like IEPs and 504s and that's a whole other story for a different time but I definitely think there is this like gap and like okay I'm using these AI systems and they're out there but I'm not using them properly and I'm misusing Mm -hmm. them so I do think they sort of cause this like in inverse harm um, to demographics and historically marginalized communities and groups. Yeah, I think, I mean, AI tech, no, I think it's a really important distinction to make. Like, was the technology designed to, with some type of bias? Or is the use of the technology, um, you know, bringing out a bias that somebody might have mm-hmm. and, and, and bringing that into their community? And I think that, you know, probably it's a combination of both mm-hmm. that are happening. Um, and, you know, but there's different stakeholders that are involved in making sure that's not happening on both ends. And I think that this like responsible integration of tools is a really important thing that we should start thinking about. Um, and I know that you we've kind of been talking about how should technologies be introduced yeah. into the classroom. I think it starts with knowledge. Mm-hmm. So do I know what the system is good at? Do I know how the system can help me? What do I still want to preserve or what's the most important part of me doing this act? So if it's for grading, like why is it important for me as an educator to grade something? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the system doing that might be taking away some of those things or might be supporting some of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then thinking about how to be transparent with your students about this is how I will be using it. I, I've heard of, and I don't know if this is the best practice, but I heard of an educator who said the first draft will always be edited by an AI. And the second draft will be the one that I look at. I mean, what do you guys think of that after that? I, that's interesting. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, so if I'm understanding it correctly, the first draft is, um, the for, you're saying the first draft is edited by artificial intelligence before it's looked at by the teacher to grade. Exactly. Well, I think it goes through two iterations. So you give a draft and it gets looked at by AI and then the next draft of it will be looked at by your teacher. And then I think you have the opportunity to submit it. Um, Hmm. that's sort of like a double standard then right because like if a student is doing that to like for example like grammatically correct their work or like make fixes or edits then that's sort of like used as like oh no like why are you using AI for that like you should know how to do that but if a teacher is leveraging that resource that's completely fine like that's that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I think that brings up the question of responsibility mm-hmm. again. And accountability. So yeah. responsibility and cou- accountability not only for the students who are using this technology, but it's for the adults who are the role models and the ones who are responsible for how the um, information and education of AI is implemented in mm-hmm. classrooms. Um, and I think that's really why we need to make sure that it's not only that we're, we're trying to help students leverage this, but by being able to help, like you said, Jenna, administration and teachers learn about AI and how to use it properly, there won't be that double standard or there won't be any miscommunication between students who believe that they can use this technology for their work, but then not being able to because it's seen a certain way by their teacher Mm -hmm. when really should be embraced for all that it's worth. And I think that that's an interesting um, 
scenario that you had brought up, especially since, like you said, that double standard of, oh, here a teacher is allowing it to be used, but then sometimes you have students using it and it's not allowed, but really it's working to serve a similar purpose. And I think that if that were embraced holistically, then it wouldn't be a problem. But with the way that it's kind of... um, I feel like the best way to describe the way that AI is being implemented is kind of just on and off. So you have like some people who may embrace it holistically, um, some people who may not do it at all, and then some people who do it, um, like you said, for like certain things and whatnot. So I just think that that can't be the case, especially with AI education, because it needs to be consistent across the board. Yeah. I think that brings me into my next question around like teacher effectiveness, right? We've heard and seen um, teachers use AI as a tool to leverage like their efficiency in the classroom, which is totally fine. But again, like mm-hmm. it, with consideration of that double standard, how do we like balance the playing field of like how can teachers use AI for like efficacy purposes, um, professional development, but also maintain sort of a habitat in their classroom per se of embracing AI right so I don't what do you think about that yeah so I think this is a really like a unique opportunity in the relationship between teachers and students Mm -hmm. to open up dialogue I don't know if like any other topics you know uh, offer the space for students to come with their perspectives of what they want to see teachers to come with their perspectives and then be able to talk and come up with some kind of shared policy or solution together. So I think that that's like something I'm really hoping to see and building the trust between a teacher and student so we don't end up in a situation in which a student um, might be incorrectly um, told that they've been using Mm -hmm. one. One other thing that I want to mention, which when you initially told me that students were being um, uh, students' essays were being said that they were written by ChatGPT and they actually weren't. As you said that, like, what does that mean about my writing style or what exactly. my teacher thinks about me oh, as a writer? Um, and that's so important to, like, so I think rebuilding the trust in the classroom and hopefully that trust will, like, spread to other aspects of the classroom. Um, but I, I remember with when I was in high school, um, spark notes were the big thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so my, I remember, you know, one time a student in my class used spark notes and everyone had a pop quiz that day. Oh and just God. like it was the, the stress of here's a tool that maybe I should just learn how to leverage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you That's, know, obviously yeah. I need to learn what's in the book and I need to read the book myself. But can right. I leverage this tool to support me without feeling like there's some kind of, you know, yeah, um, punishment that's going to be. No, yeah. yeah, like those ramifications are so there. And it's so funny you bring that up because I'm taking AP Lang right now and my teacher is a big fan of SparkNotes. So it's what? like, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're totally shifting lenses there. Wow. Um, but I think that just comes to see like it's not even just with AI. Like we brought this example. I brought this example up in our previous episode of like math and calculators, right? As you get higher and you can like mm-hmm. start practicing and using those skills, calculators are seen as a resource. They're not seen as like, oh, you're cheating or you're not learning the content. So I think that's just sort of the lens we need to bring in with AI. And I think the personal, like um, my personal framework with this is this, as I'm progressing and growing older and like meeting new people and exploring new fields, I think AI is this thing where we just think it's so big and we don't know where to start with it. Um, And I think, again, like the pacing and the moving super fast within this system is what is causing a lot of this like discontent and like confusion and like I need to stay away from this because it's evolving. Like every two seconds there's a new platform out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
it's just amazing to see for sure. One, I have a professor um, at MIT, Professor Justin Reich, and he, um, the class that I took with him was all about how technology really hasn't transformed the classroom in the yeah. ways that we expected mm-hmm. to. Whenever a new technology comes out, and I think the first paper, paper we read was on the radio, mm-hmm. um, everyone first, there's fear, like, oh yeah. my goodness, how are we going to use it appropriately in the classroom? Then there's this idea that it's going to change the world. Like, now we're going to put radios in the classroom and everything is going to change. Students are going to learn. We're going to reduce um, inequality. And so, and so um, then there happens to be like this small marginal change that actually happens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we might use radios for some parts of the classroom, but they're not changing the way that we teach every day. Yeah. Like right. Classrooms have really stayed the same for a long period exactly. of time. They have. And, but you do bring up a really important point that things are changing so rapidly, I think, mm-hmm. at a pace that they've never changed before. Right. Um, and so it is really important that we're looking at AI, but I do think we need to take a step back and think about, okay, where has the classroom <laughs> been in the past yeah. and how yeah. um, how is this similar to how that's been? Yeah, and I think it's especially um, necessary, like many, like the both of you mentioned, to kind of restore a sense of trust between the teacher and the student because I think... Um, not at the peak of AI, but when artificial intelligence, when ChatGBT was such a huge topic of conversation at schools. I remember that teachers, Google Classroom came out with a new feature to um, check the originality of your work when you submit things. Um, and that was at the time when students were using ChatGBT to complete their work mm-hmm. and that was seen as cheating. And it was a huge deal that you did not use ChatGBT to do your work to the point where this new technology and many others were kind of implemented to counteract the efficiency of that platform and I think that that's just that's the biggest way that I can think of how we are taking AI and we're shedding it in the wrong light and I think that we are using we're creating new now we're creating new systems to counteract the efficiency of something that is created not to be a weapon to our education Mm -hmm. but to rather a benefactor and I think that there needs to be a way that we are able to regain that sort of trust and um, efficiency of AI in our classrooms and in our education but I I think that for all students there was a time where (laughs) I yeah (laughs) remember that bad like when I'm thinking like second semester last year like it got to the point where teachers were automatically jumping to the conclusion you accusations were flying yeah. everywhere if you copied and pasted like for example anything and a girl in my class um literally copied and pasted this very very technical term because she did not know how to spell it pasted it into a document and like my teacher now and continuously still does this goes and checks students version mm-hmm. history to see if you copy and paste automatically if you she sees that you copy and paste it's like chat gpt you're cheating and like sends you to your dean um so yeah. i think there's a lot of just like misinformation about like yeah. what this is and how it's rolling out a and, lot. It's, and it's it's showing for sure yeah i think when you take like never mind ai and education mm-hmm. when you put ai in any structural yeah. system you mm-hmm. you can kind of see its cracks and where you know were there appropriate cheating policies in place in your school? In the first place, is there appropriate trust between teachers and students? Mm-hmm. And now you're just putting AI in the system, and it's not necessarily the AI, AI. though it does like yeah. give you some capabilities. It's it's the system that it's put in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that 
like we're saying right now, we've noticed a lot of problems that AI has been causing in education, even though we see it as a benefactor. And we want to tie back to our two box project. And at the forefront of our two box project, we have been deeply looking into how the overlap of systems problems and how they all tie back to education. So we wanted to ask you, how can AI help address educational inequities and improve access to quality education? Yeah, this is a really important question. I think that the project that's coming to mind when you ask this question is um, there's a lot of work being done to um, for chatbots to help with schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I was in a, um, a collaboration with another university, a community college, and they spoke a lot about how their students didn't have the time to attend office hours. So they were often behind in their work because they just, you know, they had other commitments, they had families, they had work, um, and they couldn't spend time going to office hours. And like for something like computer science, office hours are, you know, that's how I basically got my computer science grade (laughs) at the end of the semester, um, going to office hours. And so they're a really big, important part. And so, for example, um, they are thinking about developing a chatbot in which um, the chatbot can now go into um, a college classroom or a community college classroom and um, help students with their computer science so they can access it at any time of the day. Um, it's tailored to their classroom. Uh, and notice it's not, they're not going to the chatbot to learn everything. Yeah. They're going right. to class and lectures. Yeah. This is an additional tool that can support them in a really positive way. We know like I learn really socially and I think a lot of people learn through conversation socially. Mm-hmm. And so using some kind of chat interface in which you can do that is extremely beneficial and can probably um, you know, reduce some of the gaps of opportunities that people have in school. Yeah, I think that's super important. And again, that's a very good example of leveraging AI as a resource. Um, I'm even thinking about it in the scope of our own school. Like we have a lot of like English as a second language students and students who Mm -hmm. have just moved here. Right. Um, And I think AI is a very wonderful tool to help integrate students and help them just push in and propel within their education. Um, So I just sort of want to destigmatize AI in that sense and like understanding that yes it does have its limitations and it does have its ramifications um, but if we just take a seat and take a back seat and just holistically examine how we can use this as a resource I think it can genuinely help our district on so many levels um, so yeah Yeah, and I can think of another instance in which AI can help address an educational equity I know that um Susk, a class that many students are not a fan of, is math. And I think that um, a lot of the times when students are trying to complete certain assignments, maybe they don't have the opportunity or the time to reach out to their teacher. Or maybe they don't have the opportunity or the um, ability to pay for sites such as Chegg and um, Brainly and places that could help them solve problems, not just to get the answer, but to understand the work that was done to do it. And because those sites cost money and there are students who may not be able to afford that, how will they be able to receive the support that they need outside of school? And I know that a lot of them have been turning to AI and ChatGBT too, and they asked the site to help them work through a certain problem. And that has been an amazing help for them to understand the work that they're doing much better and eliminating access um it's eliminating just another inequity that stands as a barrier between them and their education and i think that honestly that's an amazing opportunity and it should be embraced more widely in situations and instances such as the one i mentioned such as the one jeanette mentioned as a tool rather than a weapon
Yeah, and I think using that as a platform when we think about AI and ethics, right? That's a hot topic right now, straight off the press. And this, like, okay, we've rolled out these AI systems and platforms and algorithms. So let's talk about the ethics, which seems like it's a misconstrued step in the system and should have been thought about before. But here we are. <laughs> um, so we wanted to ask, like, what are some ethical considerations that educators and even policymakers within the system and scope of education or even beyond that um, should keep in mind when implementing AI within education? Yeah, this is a really important question. I can go through the list. Yeah. I, have <laughs> um, I mean, there's... The ones that we typically hear about, things like safety, especially in mm -hmm. classrooms, making sure that things are appropriate for um, different grade levels of students. Uh, privacy. When it comes to your data collection, I think historically we thought of like privacy, the issue of data privacy as someone has my specific information and can access that and then know more about me. Mm -hmm. But now the aggregate of our information is being used to make decisions or to make predictions on how we will behave or why will we will behave. Um, so it's being done on an even more massive scale and making decisions for us that we haven't even made for ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's really important to think about at a large scale. Um, of course, we spoke about bias and the, um, like which communities are being represented in the data sets. Um, also, who is designing the technologies and are they representative of the community that the technologies will serve? Um, and then I think that we've been talking about this a lot, but just the appropriate use of the technology yeah. mm -hmm. and thinking about the system in which it will be used. So I think that before you implement an AI system, you really need to think about what am I hoping to get out of it? What um, things are most important for me in my job? What things are most important for my students? And is this tool helping me reach those goals ultimately? Or is it hindering my ability to be connected with my students? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just want to mention one other thing because, you know, you spoke about how AI is, uh, you know, after we deploy something, we say, okay, now it's important to think about yeah. the ethics or mm -hmm. a news story comes out and we're yeah. like, now we, we forgot to think about ethics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that we really do, and so I develop a lot of curricula for students to learn about AI, we really like to think about ethics as embedded throughout the design process. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's so important. So I think a few years back, uh, there was a study that was done on uh, first year CS courses in universities. And they found that ethics was either taught as the last course of the semester or as a completely separate course. So mm -hmm. as a computer scientist, I had to say, oh, you know, I learned how to build something. And then I had a different environment in which I thought about the implications of what I was yeah. building. And so we said, well, what if we just put those two together? And so, you know, I learned how to make a model. And I also learned how bias can show up in my model and how to counteract that. Um, and so it's really important for us that we're thinking about it. And it just becomes part of the process. And now that's before deployment. I think you deploy something. And then you also have to think about um, how is it being used and how are we going to evaluate the use of the system? So mm -hmm. we had ChatGPT that was used in your schools. And clearly, there was some mismatch in how educators and students wanted to be using it. That needs to be reevaluated and mm -hmm. brought back into the use terms and, and how um, educators want to see technology in their classroom. Yeah. yeah, and I think that everything you just shared is paired with having the bigger conversation about AI and its usages because I think that if we have um, teachers, administrators, educators who are reluctant to even bring up the word AI, AI. in their classrooms and then you have students who have heard this word floating around, they don't know what to do with it, they have nobody to guide them, well, how does that relationship work and how are we expected to have a collaboration that's ethical between students and teachers 
without a conversation that discusses how students should use it, um, how teachers teach students to perceive it and I think that because that education that conversation is lacking within our education system that's why we're seeing a lot of disparity and lack of communication um, in regards to this conversation about AI that really does need to exist if we want equity and yeah definitely and I think this even just you mentioned a great point like AI has just become such a taboo thing to talk about Mm -hmm. like now that I look back at it I don't think like since the unveiling of ChatGPT, um, I've had on a like district-wide or heard about a conversation where educators, parents, students mm-hmm. were all in one room speaking about this system. Um, exactly. But we see this happening with like other current events and things that are directly affecting like the teenage and youth populations within our city. So I think it's just as important to have that conversation, right? I think just talking about it is a great step mm-hmm. to the right direction. And um, yeah. I think it's like a perfect opportunity for youth who are actively using the systems, who are learning about how they're um, created and how they can be used to inform their teachers. Like there's mm-hmm, really cool yeah. opportunities to hold workshops for your community to like teach them how ChatGPT works and how you might use it for innovation or yeah, being creative definitely. or something right. like that. Yeah. So. I completely agree because I think that this conversation should not be one-sided. Mm-hmm. It should not be just, um, I think what we've been describing that we are have been noticing in our schools recently are like like administrators and teachers just pushing out what they want students yeah, like to think and believe about that. AI and sh- sort of like shifting and molding their perspective on it just based off of what they'd like. And I think that's very one-sided to what one party wants the other to believe. But I think that students, like Jeanette said, should be involved in this conversation about AI and the ramifications of it in their education. Yeah. Um, it's it's part of their power that they have to take a hold of their education. And if part of it is about AI, then I think they need to be part of the discussion that when that happens. And we're not seeing that. And something that we consistently reiterate in Two Blocks is the importance of student voice mm-hmm. and having students at the table where decisions are made. And AI, I think, is one of the hot, like we said, the hottest topics, the biggest decisions that could be, um, that are needed surrounding education at this moment. So. Why don't we have students at that forefront as well? Is my yeah. And I think that just like avoiding the subject only propels the polarization mm-hmm. of AI and the subject in the system itself. Um, and I think just having that conversation is so necessary and so needed and is way overdue at this moment in time. So I definitely would say, and I think a lot of our listeners can touch base within their own like fields or interests and understand that like AI has permeated in their day-to-day life, right? Whether you see it or not, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just as an important conversation to have in the scope of education and how that works. So. Yeah, and I think that if we want to continue speaking on the idea of how we inter, how students, teachers, educators, parents, everybody interacts within education, um, we wanted to ask you, how do we balance the use of AI um, with the importance of this human interaction and mentorship aspect of education? This is really important, and this is something I'm I'm really passionate about. I think because. To me, I think like social interaction and human interaction is one of the most the best things. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I this is the question I'm after is how do we preserve like the wonderful parts of human interaction while also leveraging these tools for really amazing things. Um, and I think you know one thing that's first coming up for me is the importance of your educators having experiences and um, representing something for you. So I heard about a study and 
I can let you know about this study afterwards because <laughs> I'm not exactly sure where it came from. Um, but students uh, were told, were like uh, given a virtual class and an in-person class. They performed just as well in both classes, but they preferred to be in person. And, you know, there's lots of reasons why we might think that. But one theme that came up was that when a student goes into a classroom, they are looking at a teacher as a model of themselves or who they could be. And it's this opportunity for like reflection and like the teacher has experiences, the teacher knows what it's like to get a problem wrong and, and can explain that to you as well. And I think that like mm-hmm. that very human connection makes someone excited to go to school. It makes someone excited to um, uh, pursue a field or, or change their career or whatever it might be. And so, you know, AI doesn't have those experiences. Um, and it's important to preserve and share our stories and, and make sure that people continue to, to connect on their personal experiences and shared empathy with one another. Um, and, and think about maybe where's the use of AI in all of this in terms of can AI be the place where, or can AI be the thing that, um, we use to help us, you know, reach the potential that someone is modeling for us or that we model for one another. Um, so I think that that's like a really important piece as well. I think the second is um, just this use, like transparency about how I will use the technology and how, um, so if I'm an educator, am I transparent with how I'm using the technology and what I'm still providing to you or what you still provide to me? Mm-hmm. And just being open about that conversation. I mean, we talked about this a lot, but I think that that's like one of the best ways that we can preserve human interaction. Yeah, and I think even prior to the rolling out of ChatGPT, we saw the pandemic really test the limitations of the necessity of human interaction Mm -hmm. and mentorship, specifically in the realm of education. And I think even now, like looking back, even though it seems (laughs) just like yesterday, um, how we were learning from our little black squares on a screen, right? Um, And how the system of education was super pushed um, and stretched thin on how to support students and how to be there from just teacher to student and even parent to teacher as well. So I definitely think with this conversation of AI is this idea that it's a collaborative approach, right? Mm -hmm. In order to get to where we wanna get to, we all need to come together. And like you said, that transparency piece is super crucial. Um, Teachers, shouldn't shy away from talking about AI and shouldn't shy away from saying, you know what, I actually use it in this, this, and that. And I think that should be just as a fair statement for a student to say as well. Um, so I definitely think that idea of destigmatizing, but also being transparent and accountable of how we're using AI and embracing it. And I think that just helps destigmatize, but also understand that it's going to be a part of everything. It is right. right now. So how can we make sure we're continuing that conversation and propelling it? Yeah, and I think that conversation is honestly just bigger than education in itself. Um, consistently within Two Blocks, we talk about how it's not just the effort of one stakeholder, but mm-hmm. multiple. So again, we're tying this back to education, but we also have to understand that we have Kendall Square in our city. We have amazing corporations here, uh, the work of Google, Microsoft, institutions such as MIT that are doing the work and pushing AI further than it's ever been. And then we also have an education system close by and we need to make sure that they're working 
alongside each other and that the work that's being done to advance AI is not overlooked by the education se sector and that if collaboration were to occur, yes, we need collaboration um, within the education system with our parents, our educators, our students, but we also need that system to collaborate with the systems that are creating and advancing artificial intelligence because that's really the way in which we are going to be able to create better human interaction and mentorship, not only within the educational realm, but within the field of AI mm -hmm. with education within it. Yeah. And I think my what comes to mind is this like thing of AI is not human, but AI can help humanity, right? I think we see this within our politics, we see this within mm -hmm. our education, we see this within our healthcare systems, just to name a few, where it's just becoming a tool, right? So it can be a tool and it should be a tool. So how can we make sure that we're preparing our students for that right. in the near future? So this brings us to our last question for today's episode. And we really wanted to touch base with you, Danielle, regarding how we can better install and prepare students um, all across the board in educational institutions for a future where AI will play an increasingly prominent role in society and the workforce. Um, so, yeah. Great. I mean, we've talked about this uh, throughout ton, the, this, yes. yeah. But I think this idea of it just embracing yeah, what definitely. the tools can provide us and embracing maybe the even the messiness. Like, you know, we might not get it right the way that we use it the first time, but we're going to come back and have discussions about it and reevaluate how we'll be using it. That's one really important piece. But I think one thing that I'm super passionate about is bringing AI literacy into the classroom. And that doesn't mean your computer science teacher is going to teach you how a model works. It's that your civics teacher is teaching you how AI might impact elections this year. Yeah. It's that your science teacher is teaching you how you can utilize AI to um, predict the next, you know, predict and hopefully stop the next <laughs> pandemic. Um, so it, it's all about how to integrate it across the classroom. I think mm -hmm. AI literacy is just literacy yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, it belongs everywhere and so I'm really hopeful that uh, there's a lot of people doing really cool work to bring it into the classroom and all aspects. yeah I mean I agree educational literacy specifically on the topic of AI sounds like an amazing first step and I think it's extremely important considering that the state of the world 10 20 50 years from now is as we can predict, most likely going to be AI dominated. And I think that the state of AI right now, we've barely reached the tip of the iceberg. So beginning that integration of having a conversation on ethical AI and its implementations and its ramifications is extremely important because by starting it now, it could that seed could hopefully further grow. And once AI, I don't know, takes over the world or <laughs> <No>. hopefully <laughs> not, but once we AI becomes a bigger part of um, the world, the workforce, uh, bigger than it is today. I hope that the conversations that we're having now grow along with it. And so we can responsibly use it in the future, make sure that it's um, cons everything in consideration, it's used ethically, and we eliminate bias. And it's a tool, like we said in the end. Yeah. And I love the point you brought up, Daniela, that like AI is literacy all across the board and it's not solely just a STEM topic or something mm -hmm. that should be talked about in like CS or tech, but it's something that is applicable to all fields, all like fields of study, all subject matters. And I think that's what's so wonderful and beautiful um, about AI is how just multifaceted and interdisciplinary it is. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a perfect round circle of just where we are today. Um, and I think as traditionally speaking only about education, this is what has pushed us to 
push out this season is just looking mm-hmm. at AI and education, they're very similar, right? We have so many similarities, just as many differences that we can name, but it's super important to talk about that gray area. And I think right. this beautiful conversation that we had today really just embodied that. So with that, do you have any last comments or questions that you'd like to bring up? Um, I think that's it. I really enjoyed our conversation. And it's so cool to hear from the students' perspective, like what is actually happening in schools. Thank you so much for joining us. I think that we had an amazing conversation as well, and we definitely learned a lot from you. Um, With that, I think that is the end of our podcast episode. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you for the next episode. Thank you.